talk about the gospel a lot, but sometimes it can be hard to explain exactly what that means. In this series, we're talking about Alive in Five, which is a simple and easy to remember way to tell the story of Jesus with five symbols that represent five points in that story. We hope you enjoy this series from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus. All right, guys, we, we have snow on the ground. Some, I hear like 50% excitement about snow on the ground. Guys, I, it finally looks like Christmas. It's January, what, 23? And it finally looks like Christmas outside. It finally feels like winter, you know, like that, that you got to wear boots weather. Oh, man. And right now, it's getting even juicier out there. So you have that to look forward to on your way out. But it finally looks like winter. Um, I am one of those people that just love the snow. I love snow. I love winter. I love everything about it. Um, I can't quite put my finger on, like, one thing that I love about winter the most. Um, I can tell you some things. Like, I prefer it way over summer. I just love that. I love the snow. I love getting stranded at home. When I, sorry, can't make it. The roads are too icy. That is, I don't know what it is, but when I hear like that there's a snowstorm coming, I'm, I'm, I don't need bread and eggs. You got crazy people can go to the store and run each other over to get that. I got what I needed at home already. I don't, I've never understood that. Like, are the bread and eggs going to make you last for the two days that you can't leave your house? Like, do you not have enough food in your home? I don't have any kids. So maybe if you have kids, they eat all that much bread and eggs and milk that, but I have like those things all the time, so I've never really quite understood that. I love getting stranded at home. I love that it's not 80 degrees outside. Oh, I love that I don't have to sweat, that I'm not walk- just walking from my car to a building and I'm sweating. That's a horrible thing. I love wearing long sleeves. I love that nobody is making me go outside. That's a great thing because it's not 80 degrees outside. But during that time, though, summertime, my wife does make me go outside, and I don't appreciate it because I'm very busy playing Fortnite. <laughs> that's, that's it with the Ice Legion. That's the problem. Um, I love winter. Now, there are a couple problems with winter, right? So I got a shovel, like a driveway. Uh, luckily, Dave shoveled my driveway this, this past one. Yeah. Yes. Do you, think, do you think every week we could have an applause break for Dave? Do you think that challenge? <laughs> it's possible. It can be done. We'll see if I remember next week. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, the shoveling is kind of a bummer. But also, the, probably the biggest problem with winter is when winter comes, for some reason, everybody gets sick. And I guess like when it's colder outside, your immune system is just like weaker. I guess that's kind of like scientifically how it works. Um, anybody been sick yet this summer? You were like had the flu or like the snots? Did I say summer? Winter? Winter? Yes, a bunch of you. It's, it's the worst. It's terrible. And like I don't get sick a lot. I don't know why, but I just have an immune system of steel. I can't remember the last time I had like a fever or a flu or something like that. But everyone around me is sick all the time. And so there's like used tissues laying everywhere. People are coughing and sneezing. And I have to just say like, keep that away. I probably won't get it, but I just, it's just gross. Even if I don't get sick from it, it's just gross. So don't do that. But um, stay at home if you're sick. Don't be one of those people that's just like, I'm going to continue with my life. I guess I am one of those people, <laughs> to be fair. But stay home. I'll, I'll try to take my own advice. Stay home if you're sick. It's gross. Sickness is a huge deal this time of year. Um, you know, in church, we have this, there's this like thing that we talk about, kind of like a sickness. We talk about it, um, this is like dar- this darkness that 
If you let even like a little piece of it come into your life, it's going to consume everything. It's you will die. You will surely die. It's sneaky. It's strong. Uh, it's hard to overcome. And it's everywhere. And everybody's like infected to some degree. And everyone around you, like our entire culture is trying to pull you in to get even more infected with this scary thing. Um, this huge epidemic, pandemic disease we talk about in the church. And we call this horrible, terrifying, looming threat Sin. Yes. Yes, that is appropriate. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about sin, and I won't say it like that the whole time, but this idea of sin, it, it's very common, and like, so we, uh, our understanding of God comes from people who interacted with God and wrote their lives down, or, or wrote other people's lives down, and all through those writings, we see this idea of sin coming up. And so all over the place, we're trying to figure out what is this sin thing? How do we live our lives in light of it? So we're going to be talking about that. Um, it's clearly something we deal with today, not just for ancient times, but we're talking about sin. Uh, we're going to start by identifying what sin actually is, uh, what it does, and we're going to talk about some treatments, how to minimize your exposure, and a medication, not a cure, but we'll, talk, we'll end there. Um, but there are a few things I want you to know about sin. They all center around this one idea. This one idea is our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. And I know that because it's repeated all over these ancient writings, how we understand God. It's all over the place. Our sin separates us from God. We can see it here in a book recording the events of, a life, of the life of a man named Isaiah. He was a prophet, and uh, it says this, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Our sin separates us from God. And I know this whole thing can be confusing, uh, so we're going to talk about sin tonight. You may have seen these five symbols uh, around. You may have seen them, and they tell the story of the gospel of Jesus, why we're here, what we do. Um, these five symbols, which I believe you have in the back there. Could you throw those up there for me? Um, now, these five symbols tell the story of Jesus. We call them Alive in Five. That's kind of the, the name for this model here. And this, these five symbols lay out the story of Jesus. They lay out the gospel in a super simple way. Um, each symbol represents a point in that story, in the gospel. It represents, a phrase comes with it, um, and you don't need to like necessarily memorize each phrase, but the, the pictures kind of help you remember the points in the story, and it's super easy to share it with a friend, share it with a family member, somebody who's asking questions, um, because I have been in a place where I was asked these questions, like, why are you a Christian? What do you believe as a Christian? Why do you believe in God? That kind of stuff. And I have struggled with what to say in those situations. Have you, have, you been, have you experienced that? And there's kind of two different stories that I like to tell. One is my story, what, how God has impacted my life and changed my life and made my life better. And the other thing is the more important one. My story leads to the story of Jesus. And this tool is to help us tell the story of Jesus more clearly and more easily. Um, so that's why we're going through it. That's the whole reason that we're talking about this for the next few weeks, um, to remember the story of Jesus. So throughout the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about each of these five symbols, what they mean. And by the time we're done, you're going to understand alive in five, but most importantly, you're going to understand the story of Jesus and hopefully uh, be able to tell it a little more simply, a little more clearly, and a little more easily. So the, tonight, we're on the second symbol. As you can see there, the, the diver, diverging road uh, is the second symbol. And the phrase that goes with it is, our sin separates us from God. 
So we're going to process some stuff about sin together. First of all, the word sin, what does that even mean? Like, what, what does that word sin mean? And I love to explain churchy words. And sin is a churchy word. Um, but to explain, some of you may have heard this pretty recently, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, we're going to, like, lean into the, the churchiness, the nerdiness of this word, okay? So if you don't know, the Bible originally was not written in the English language. We have, you know, the, this ancient scripture, and we call it the Bible, and it's all in English. It was not originally written in English. So the Old Testament, the first half from like 6,000 or so years ago. Um, that stuff was written in primarily Hebrew, also Aramaic. So those are some older languages. And the New Testament from about under 2,000 years ago was written primarily in Greek. And so we have these two bodies of writings, one in Hebrew, one in Greek, and we translate them into English. So people study those languages very, very hard, and they get together and they work on what does this actually mean in English? How can we put it into English words so that we can understand them? So when we see this word sin all throughout ancient writings, um, you got to know when we see sin in the Old Testament, it's in both the Old and the New. In the Old Testament, that word sin is translated from the uh, Hebrew word hata, and the New Testament from the Greek word hamartia. So um, we have these two words, hata in the Hebrew, hamartia in the Greek. And we see these words all over ancient writings. And when we see them, we translate them to sin. And what's interesting is both of these words... Um, they not, they not only represent this idea of sin in the Bible, but they have really, really similar meanings in Greek and Hebrew. You'd probably translate them the same as well, hata into hamartia and vice versa. But both of these words center on the idea of a bullseye. So what's interesting is that both of these words, languages that are unrelated to each other, both have to do with the bullseye. So in the Old Testament version, hata, uh, mostly archery. In the New Testament, you use this word in spear throwing. I mean, you'd probably use it everywhere, but most, like at its core, it's from spear throwing. Um, the same thing. You have a, a bullseye, and you have a target around it, and hata, hamartia, mean missing the mark. So they both have their roots in a bullseye. And when you miss the bullseye, you know you got a target, you got this little tiny speck where you got to hit it, right? If you're good, you hit it. But if you are slightly off, you are missing the mark. And if you were a Hebrew person, you would say, you'd point at a target where they missed the bullseye and you'd say, hata. If you were a Greek person, you would say, hamartia. And that is this word that we translate to sin. So the word sin means missing the mark. And the mark uh, for our lives is this idea that God has a plan for us. He knows what's best for us. That's really what it's all about. God's bullseye is his plan for our life. When we obey his, uh, his, his commandments, when we give him control of our life, that is the bullseye. And when we miss that, when we try really hard and don't quite give it all to him, or when we think we know better so we make a decision that's not his, we have missed the mark we have sin. That's the idea of sin. So missing the mark, that's sin. That's just simply put. I hope for me that changes the way I look at sin because sin is this scary church word that's just like bad, you know, sin, bad. And it's true. Like these are, when you sin, this is the things you shouldn't be doing, but it means more than just bad. It means you've missed the plan that God has for you. And God is hope, joy, peace, life, love, all of those things. And so if you miss those things, you have sinned, you are separated from God. Our sin separates us from God. When we miss the mark, that's sin. All right, here's another one. So why does God hate sin? That's an important question to ask. And the answer, I think you're going to find pretty beautiful. Um, because God doesn't hate sin just because you broke his rules. That's, what, that's not why God hates sin. He doesn't make rules just for rules sake. God hates sin because sin separates us from him and he is ultimate life and love and hope. So anything that separates us from that 
is killing us, is hurting us. So he hates sin, not because we broke his rule, but because it separates us from him. He hates sin because it hurts us. That's why God hates sin. It's not about control or oppression. God hates sin because it hurts his people. When you miss the mark, it's going to hurt you. I also think it's important that you know, these are just like a rapid fire list, some things about sin that I want you to know. Um, I am not up here talking about sin because I have conquered sin. Trust me, that is very, very much not true. And if you spend any amount of time with me, you know that that's not true. I have not conquered sin. Your pastors, your leaders, your parents, the people that you see in church, none of us have conquered sin. None of us have beaten sin. We're all humans. And um, those people mess up just like you do. Romans uh, 3.10 says this, there is no one righteous not even one. None of us are 100% right. That word righteous just means you've hit the bullseye. You're constantly hitting the bullseye. None of us are 100% right. Now, hopefully the people you look up to um, in your spiritual journey and when you're trying to hit the target rather than miss the mark, hopefully the people you look up to are a little further along in that journey. Um, But in some cases, they're going to be striking out on things that you do well and vice versa. No one is righteous. Even the people that pretend that they have it all together. No one is righteous. I also think you should know that there are different kinds of sin. Um, There are all kinds of different ways to miss the mark and things that God wants to protect us from. So you can sin through doing things. This is like the simple one that you kind of think of. Doing things that God has told you not to do because it separates you from him. Think of lying and stealing and disrespecting your parents, that kind of stuff. You can also sin through not doing stuff, things that he has called you to do, and when you don't do them, you've also missed the mark that way. So I think of tithing. God has asked for 10% of our money back. We make we, you know, a hard day's work, and we make our money, and God says, you take 10%, and that's going to go to the church. And what that's going to do is that gonna, that's going to take care of your religious leaders. That money is also going to be used to impact your community. Um, in, the, in like ancient times, when we get a lot of this scripture, these writings from ancient times, church would be feeding the orphans and the widows, would be uh, feeding the homeless in their community, taking care of the needs of the community. And churches do that as well. You know, our, our food pantry here, we have a great program for kids to discover their gifts. Um, we, a church is made to impact the community all the way from the inception of church, the very first churches. They were invented. God's purpose for them was to impact their community. So God says, give me 10% of the money so that we can do those things. So when you don't do that, You've missed the mark. Um, another thing I think of is like when just generally listening, listening to the Holy Spirit because we believe that God speaks to us. He tells us to do things. Um, I've been in situations where God has told me to like pray for someone or to bless someone financially, and I just didn't. I was just not obedient to the, to the leading of God in that moment, and that's, a, that's missing the mark. I've sinned in that moment um, because I didn't do what he had called me to do. All right? Not only can you miss the mark through doing things, and not doing things, it's even extended to the way that you think. Even your thought patterns can be missing the mark. So things like unforgiveness, this is a big one. If you have a pattern of unforgiveness toward a person, that's a thought. That's just a a perspective in your mind. That's not like a thing that you did. It's just a thing in your mind. God calls that sin. That's missing the mark. Um, Just holding hatred in your heart for people. um, That's sin. That's missing the mark. A lust is a huge one because that's just thinking sexual thoughts about another person. And that is 
it's all in here, but it's missing the mark. It's still sin. It's still doing what God has called you not to do because he knows what's best. He has that target in mind for your life, and that target has nothing to do with lust. So um, a man named Matthew recorded the, the events of Jesus's life, uh, and Jesus was instructing his people one time, and he said this, you've heard our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. So he says, all right, you had this rule. This commandment was, thou shalt not kill. He's referencing the Ten Commandments. He's saying, don't kill. We all agree that that's fine. I'm saying that when you think badly, when you harbor unforgiveness, when you harbor hatred in your heart for the people around you, even that deserves judgment. Even that is a problem. You've missed the mark by holding on to those things. Now, um, Jesus is saying, watch your thoughts. Your thoughts are important, and even your thought patterns can lead you to miss the mark. They can lead you into sin. He goes on to say the same thing about lust. If you think those sexual thoughts about another person in your mind, you are not better than the person who acted on those thoughts. Even those, just those thoughts are missing the mark. You can miss the mark even in your thoughts. All right. We've talked about a, a bunch of different ways of missing the mark, what it means, what it does to us. The big thing that encompasses all of it is our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. But I also want, if I ended right there, that'd be like a sad time, <laughs> right? I don't want to move on without talking about uh, escaping sin, avoiding sin, and healing from sin. So we all have this inclination to sin, right? It, I find it very easy to make the wrong choice. <laughs> a lot of you probably experience that as well. I, I find it very easy to do the wrong thing, much easier than doing the right thing. The right thing is usually harder. And that's because we have this innate thing in us. We are just born with this inclination to miss the mark. We are just born leaning toward sin. Even babies, babies basically out of the womb start disrespecting their parents almost immediately, right? <laughs> almost immediately. The first word they learn oftentimes is no. <laughs> so we are born with this nature of sin. So what do we do with that? Again, that's a very sad ending to the story. Luckily, that's not the end. So we can do some things to overcome this natural, this sinful instincts is what I'll call them. And you're not going to beat them forever. You're going to have to work through them forever. Um, I think it will get easier as your life goes on, as you continue to make the right choice. It's like a muscle. You continue to make the right choice. You're going to be able to lift higher weights. It's going to become more easy for you to make the right choice. But let's talk about how we do that. How do we overcome these sinful instincts? There's a hint from uh, a man named Paul mentoring a man named Timothy. And he said this, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee. Flee the evil desires of youth. Flee. Run away from sin. Run away from a temptation to miss the mark. This is a great tool, super important. Um, sometimes we want to show how strong we are. I've been there. I was like, I, I will not have beat this sin until I can look down the barrel of temptation and say, uh-uh. And I, every time I lost that battle, <laughs> every time I messed up, Paul doesn't say, you, uh, this, is how, this is how you do it. You, you beat sin by staring down the barrel of temptation and overcoming your sinful instincts. That's not what he says. He says, 
get out of there. (laughs) He says, you see a sinful temptation, you see uh, the evil desire in your heart, get out of the situation. Find a new place to be. You don't need to be around it. You can leave. That's what he says. It's so, so simple, but it's really important. So if you are using your phone inappropriately, if you're on a website you shouldn't be, maybe you take your phone and you charge it in the living room overnight. It's so simple, but flee. You get the sin away from you. Get the temptation away from you. You're not strong because you were able to put your phone down and, and, and look, not look at it for a night. You are strong if you get yourself out of the situation. You adjust your surroundings to, get to, to flee temptation. You adjust your surroundings to flee evil desires. Um, maybe you gossip every time you FaceTime this one friend. You're like, man, I was doing so well. And then she called, and then he called, and I just... I lost it, and I just gossiped again. Tell them you're busy. (laughs) She's like, sorry, I'm eating dinner with my parents. They're the worst. Like, just flee from those problems. Maybe you swear a bunch. Every time you binge this particular show on Netflix, you just find your, first in your mind, you're just saying a bunch of of bad words, and you're like, man, I don't want that to be a part of my vocabulary. Here's an easy one. Binge a different show. <laughs> There's all kinds of media input that you can put in your brain that's not going to send you down the path. Flee from those evil desires. Maybe you're doing things with a significant other that you shouldn't be doing and you know you shouldn't be doing. Can I tell you, you are not strong because you can turn off the lights and not do anything. You are strong if you say, all right, if your parents are leaving, I'm going to go. But number one, that is that's going to show real strength. Number two, it's going to, re- hopefully, it will really impress that other person. <laughs> and you're going to look really good if you're able to say, all right, I, it's a boundary that I have to draw because I know that I'm not strong enough and I need to get out of here. And if they don't respect that, find a new one. They should respect that. There are just so many ways to flee temptation. Uh, this verse also tells us not just to flee temptation, but to replace evil desires. It says, uh, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So don't just avoid the bad, replace it with the good. So if do something that, so when you're running from that situation where you're a temptation of evil desires, do something that stimulates your faith. Maybe you got to pop in your earbuds and listen to a worship album. Maybe you got to pray for a little bit. Maybe you need to read some scripture. Go to a proverb that's going to set you straight. Do something that stimulates your faith. Show someone love. If you're tempted to to do something that demeans a person, you're going to show real strength by doing something that shows that person love and brings peace to a situation. Don't just run away from the bad. Replace it with the good. If our sin separates us from God, do something to get you closer to God. Don't just run from the bad. Replace it with the good. A third thing, not up there, but... um, Flee from the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. There's a third thing from this. Could you put that verse back up? Um, I'm just catching this right now, but I think it's so important. Um, Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. A lot of times, um, I would have put an A there, 22A, and I would have just shown you the first half of the the verse, and we'd talk about it, and it would be great. Um, This was an oversight. (laughs) Usually if there's like a second half of the verse that like is inapplicable, I'll just say, all right, we don't need to talk about that right now. It's valid for another time. But I think that's there so that just now I can say, look to your left and right. Because around you in this room are people who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. 
And when you surround yourself with those kinds of people, you're going to find yourself being stronger in the flee from evil part. You're going to find yourself being stronger. You're going to, that muscle is going to be easier when you can say to a friend, hey, I beat temptation today. Whoa. It's going to change the way you look at it. If you surround your, if you have someone you can share that victory with, if everyone around you doesn't care about this, if everyone around you is running straight toward evil desires, what's the difference? Who cares? I'm just going to run with them. But if you've surrounded yourself with people who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart and you can share that victory with them, it's going to change the way you battle sin. It's going to change the way you adjust from missing the mark to getting on target to the way God wants you to live. Flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord. You might be in here saying, this would have been a great thing to hear yesterday (laughs) because I've already messed up. I've already exposed myself to the sickness. I have already missed the mark in my life. So what do I do? This would have been nice to know before because at school today, I messed up again. Last night, I mouthed off to my parents again. In school today, I gossiped with my friend again. I I said a word I didn't want to say again. I used my phone away. I didn't want to use it again. Well, I have good news for you as well. There's another churchy word I'd like you to know. It's a core idea to our faith. Um, It's just important as a Christ follower, you got to know, not, you know, I don't care if you know the word, but you got to know the idea of repentance. That's a big fancy word for admitting to God that you messed up and saying, I'm sorry and saying, God, forgive me. Repentance, repent, it's just a word that means, God, I messed up, and I'm sorry. That's it. It's that simple. Before Jesus came, um, to be forgiven for your sins, there was this huge process, and you had to make a sacrifice. So you'd take a lamb, or a goat, or an ox, or birds, or whatever, and you would slaughter these things, and it would be a sacrifice that paid the debt of your sin. Because the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. When there is sin, we have to make up for it in a big way. So before Jesus came, we had this system. And everyone understood this is what my sacrifice meant. It meant, God, I depend on you. Everything I have is yours. Uh, I'm sorry that I messed up. I'm working on it. That's what a sacrifice to God meant. This was a system to be forgiven for your sins. And then we believe that our God stepped onto earth. He stepped into creation as a person, as a man named Jesus. And he lived a life without missing the mark once. I said no one is righteous. No man, no human is righteous. But Jesus, the God-man, lived an entirely righteous life. He didn't sin a single time in his life. And I know that's hard to fathom. I can't understand it because I'm not God and he is. So he lived a perfect life. And at the end of that life, he was sacrificed on a cross. He died for the perfect, because he lived a perfect life, he was the perfect sacrifice for my sin. It changed the whole system. No longer do we have to take an ox to the temple. Now all we have to do is say, Jesus, you paid the price already. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. And that's repentance. That's the cure. All I have to say is, God, I'm sorry. Now, a better word than cure is medication. Um, because this sinful nature in you will always be there. You're not, when you say, God, I'm sorry, it's not a forever cure-all thing. Like, you, you need to constantly be going to God and saying, I messed up, help me be better. I messed up, I'm sorry, I can't do this without you. Help me be better. Um, as you flee evil desires and as you get closer to Jesus, you're gonna find that making the right choice gets easier. You're gonna find that you're gonna miss the mark less when you get closer to Jesus. That's the medication. 
repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I can't do this without you. Please forgive me. Sin is a serious thing. Missing the mark, missing the bullseye, the, the, the target that God has for your life is a serious thing. But there are things we can do. And even though we're going to mess up for the rest of our lives, there are things we can do to get closer to Jesus. And as we do that, we're going to miss the mark less. And when you accept Jesus, forgiveness is just an ask away. I messed up. I admit it. Please forgive me. I'm working on it. It's that easy. All right? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what we can learn about this life, what we can learn about the way you've designed all of this through your word, God. Thank you for that understanding, God. I, I pray that we, and that in this room we've learned a little bit about sin, that it's affected our perception of sin, um, and that you help us to get better, help us to get closer to you, help us to put these tactics into play. When we are, when we are being tempted, when we are um, looking at evil desires, when there are evil desires in our heart that are telling us that it's, now is the time to miss the mark because I know better than God or because I'm not strong enough to withhold it, God, help us to do some of these things we talked about. Help us to flee the situation. Help us to replace the bad with the good. Help us to do something that stimulates our faith and brings love into this situation. And God, help us to surround ourselves with people who are going to spur us on toward the good. Surround ourselves with people that we can celebrate a victory over sin with. Help us to do those things. And God, help us to come before you with a humble heart of, of repentance, asking for your forgiveness, God, because we cannot do this alone. You made the sacrifice, and we accept that sacrifice, and we are sorry because we messed up. We ask your forgiveness, and we're working on it. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus.